We interrupt this program. We interrupt this program to bring you Vikings Vent Line, the one show where you get to react to how the purple played right away. Right away. Call in now with your thoughts on the game. 651-646-8255. This is Vikings Vent Line. On first down. Peterson lining up over Adam Thielen now instead of Stephon Diggs. It's Murray breaking loose. One man to beat. And he's brought down from behind inside the 10-yard line. It's Cousins keeping it and running it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Two tight ends in. It's Johnson. Finds an opening. And dropped the football. Vikings think they have it. The big defensive tackle with a recovery of the David Johnson fumble. All right, it wasn't necessarily the most glamorous, pretty victory, but the Vikings did what they had to do, and they win with room to spare over the Arizona Cardinals at home, moving to 3-2-1 and on the season, a 27-17 win. Kirk Cousins, 24-34 of for 233 yards passing, a touchdown, an interception. Manny Hill, Phil Mackey, Jonathan Harrison is taking your calls at 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. We're also streaming live on Periscope slash Twitter. You can just find us at 1500 ESPN. Uh, Manny, there's a, a lot to get to off this game. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to generate outrage from fans. The Vikings did what they should have done, which is win by double digits. Yeah. Uh, there's some things to nitpick for sure. But what were your main takeaways from this victory over the Cardinals? I think this is two weeks in a row now where I think we've seen this defense start to look a lot more like what we've, what we got accustomed to last year. Still not quite as dominant, I think, as as what we saw last year. But I, I think what we're seeing now is that this defense is starting to look a little bit more like how we want it to be and how um, how this team needs it to be uh, if they're going to make a run to the Super Bowl this year. Because, I mean, obviously they had a tough time against Buffalo and a tough time against uh, against the L.A. Rams. But now the last couple of weeks they're starting to look a little bit more like what we've grown accustomed to over the last few years with Mike Zimmer. Yeah, I would say, well, a few takeaways. Adam Thielen, if there was any doubt, yeah, continues to be one of the handful of top, top receivers in the NFL. Uh, Kirk Cousins gave you a couple shaky things, another fumble in this game. I, I think we're just going to have to live with Kirk Cousins and his flaws, his, his uh, I guess, his uh, willingness to put the ball on the ground on a semi-regular <laughs> basis. But Adam Thielen, 11 catches for 123 yards and a touchdown. And hey, the running game showed up today. Five yards a carry. Most yeah. of it was Latavius Murray for 24 carries, 111 yards. Let's get to the phone lines here. 651-646-8255. Lucky's 13 pubs powering Vikings. Vet line. Mike in Burnsville, your thoughts? I just had a couple uh, observations. If you look at the three road games, uh, Green Bay, the Rams, and Philly, they are explosive. They seem like they're into it. They just seem really listless at home, and I'm wondering if you guys have any clue on why that why that would be. And 
as far as I'm concerned, until he's in the lineup and actually starts doing something, I'm, Dalvin Cook is out of sight, out of mind for me. Well, he's been yeah, he's been banged up with the hamstring, and it's I mean he hasn't really gotten going really since the ACL injury with all the stuff that's happened. But yeah. what do you make of the Vikings looking so much more fine tuned on the road, especially offensively? And and then they get off to these slow starts or they have trouble moving the ball or converting on third down at home so far. I don't know. It's it, I mean I I I I want to say it's I, I want to say it's kind of an anomaly, but we've seen three home games now. Um there's we're six games into this thing. We've seen three home games and and it has kind of looked not I mean the only time it really looked bad was the Buffalo game. But even in the 49ers game and today, it did it did look a little not quite as like like the caller said, not quite as explosive offensively. But I think today, I, th- I think they just they they did enough. They did enough against. I mean, they ran the football today extremely well, which we have not seen them run the football at all with any sort of effectiveness this year. And I, I think that that's an encouraging thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I, it does kind of seem like. You know they're they're not the, the offense isn't exploding for a ton of points. It's, it does seem like all of the all of the home games. It's just like they've done just enough. Yeah. To you know in the games that they've won at home. I also think there's something about Kirk Cousins in his football life that thrives when people doubt him. Yeah. He he's he's a classic example of a guy who every step of the way he felt like getting drafted into the third round, right? He wasn't he wasn't wanted because he fell to the third round in his mind that the Redskins never wanted him because they wouldn't give him that long-term contract extension. And so and maybe that some of that plays on the road too where yeah, they wouldn't expect me to perform at Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers. They wouldn't expect me to perform in the second half against the Eagles in Philadelphia, but here I am, right? That yeah. you like that sort of Underdog even against mentality. the Rams. I mean, they lost yeah. that game, but even against the Rams, he played really, really well. Yeah. All right, let's get to our guy, Realistic Randy in Oakland. Tee What's it up, Randy? Randy. What's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing good, guys. It was nice to see – well, not even really nice to see. I guess it was more so interesting to see the reverse course where typically while our pass protection hasn't really been great all year, you could at least somewhat rely on them more than the run blocking. And I think today the run blocking showed up. Even though Arizona's run defense isn't that good, they still did show up. But the pass protection, of course, had to make things a little bit interesting. So that was a little bit interesting to see. It's nice to see that we don't have to stress out about kicks anymore, so that's really good. Also, the defense, it's really good to see that they're going on back-to-back games as far as performing and stepping up. Now, I'm not ready to say that the defense is all the way back yet. I want to see how they do in the next couple of games. you got what I would consider a tune-up game, again, going up against the Jets, and then that's where the schedule is really going to get tight going forward after that Jets game. But then not only that, I guess the last point is Adam Thielen is the equivalent of Larry Fitzgerald. He really, really is. You know, I'm, I'm sick of the lazy white guy, white receiver comparisons for Adam Thielen. This dude is one of the best route runners in the NFL. His footwork, his technique, his ability to break routes and make the precise cuts needed on those routes, to get that little bit of separation to bring the to bring the ball down, he's not necessarily the fastest guy, but his technique is second to none. This dude is literally prime Larry Fitzgerald, in my humble opinion, and it's time that he gets some respect for it. Okay, I'm glad you brought this up, Randy. Manny and I were talking about this during the game. So Rondé Barber, and he he sort of struggles on the color commentary from game to game. 
the most annoying comment of the entire afternoon. Adam <laughs> Thielen catches a pass in the first half, and Rondé Barber, kind of a backhanded praise. You know, Adam Thielen. You know, he's he's really come on. You're, he's not the most athletic wide receiver, or he's not going to blow you that, away with was, athleticism. He wasn't as. He wasn't as- he, he doesn't look impressive athletically or something like that, yeah. he said. It's, it's like, like, like really, Rondé, come on. It's like, first of all, like, the, the only reason why you would think that is because he's white. Watch this dude play. He's got yeah. breakaway speed. He can do anything he wants on a fl- That diving catch he had, how can you watch him make that catch on the sidelines with, <laughs> with, with, with like his whole body going out of bounds and say, ah, he's not going to blow you away with athleticism? What? What are you watching? Yeah, his, his catch radius is probably wider than anybody in the league. There are so many throws where that goes his way where you're like, there's no way, no way he's catching that. And all of a sudden he comes down with it every single time. He's so reliable. And I hear so many times, well, he's not athletically gifted or he's not going to do this or that. But And then I also heard comparisons before throughout his, his early career as far as, well, he's Jordy Nelson and he's uh, Julian Edelman or Danny Amendola. I'm like, what the hell are you guys talking about? That is so lazy. This dude is one of the best receivers in the NFL I would say definitely top five, but I would even make the argument as of being, what, six straight games to start the season with a hundred, at least a hundred reception yards in those six games to start the season. He's arguably the best receiver in the NFL as of right now. This dude needs to get some respect, and I think it's just so easy because he's white. And so, okay, well, let's look at all the other white receivers out there. Okay, no, this dude is legit, arguably the best receiver in the NFL. Definitely top five. Yeah, thanks for the call, Randy. Awesome call. He, he's much more Antonio Brown than he is Danny Amendola or Julian right. Edelman. Yeah, so let's pump the brakes on those. Yeah, I, I just we're, we're we were talking too about how you know we, we see the same thing with like black quarterbacks now. Like every black quarterback gets compared to to another black quarterback, and it's just it's like Randy said, it's just lazy. It's lazy. Like let's just let's look at him. He's a he's a terrific wide receiver. He has. All the tools you want in a in one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He wants great routes. He has great hands. He's fast. He can get up and catch just about anything thrown in his direction. That's what every other elite level wide receiver in the NFL does. So forget about the fact that he's white and let's compare him to another white wide receiver. No, he's legit one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Period. Yes, six five one six four six eight two five five Vikings vent line powered by Lucky's thirteen pubs. Ben in Florida. Go ahead, Ben. Guys, uh, your quarterback is struggling. I mean, I didn't think Kirk Cousins played well at all. He couldn't even get the end zone dance correct. That's how I thought, I thought he played today. But speaking of guys that are great, Daniel Hunter is a man amongst boys out there. I mean, it doesn't matter who your, who your tackle is. He's going to beat your tackle. Uh, you just, I mean, the guy's just a monster on the field. And, boy, it's... I'm just glad that he's on our football team because the guy, the guy's got out blowing up Tappen. Yes, for sure. Ben's phone's cutting out a little bit there. Let's keep going here. Chancey and Fargo, you're on Ventline. What's up, Chancey? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Phil, it's uh, good to hear you back on the radio. I miss you when you're not on Ventline and uh, miss your analysis. So Chancey, I miss, I miss you when you're not on the phone. <laughs> wow, it's kind of a bromance kind of thing going on, right? <laughs> so, hey, a uh, couple thoughts here. Um, you know, one, I was a little turned off that they went into conservative mode at the start of the fourth quarter uh you know you go 27 10 you're going to the fourth and i think everybody at that point's feeling hey this is a victory right but 
until proven otherwise, I'm not trusting we've got the uh, Vikings defense we've had the last couple of years. And I don't like the uh, we'll just run out the clock the entire fourth quarter mentality. I, I would have liked to have seen him keep the pedal down a little bit there. Uh, point number two I would make is I don't know if it was just an anomaly with all the batted down passes with Cousins today or if there's something out there now because how many times has he gotten hit or he's being taken to the ground for a, a vicious sack and he somehow throws it over the top and we get a completion and it's been unbelievable so far this year but I wonder if the Cardinals scouted that out and said look we have to just put our arms up and not let him get that ball out over the top um, so it'll be interesting to see if going forward if other teams are batting down passes at the line or if that was just a one-week thing. So I'm excited to see that. And, uh, yeah, it was a workmanlike performance, but I still don't think we've had a 100% clean game where you just feel like the Vikings are back. This was getting the W they needed, but not not too much more than that. But anyway, thanks. Glad to have you back, Phil. Right on, man. Thank thanks you, Chancey. So, yeah, it was was it six batted passes? The fumbles and the batted passes are definitely weird things with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that, that's kind of become a normal thing. It seems like every week there's always a few passes where the defender gets his, gets his paw up and, and, and knocks the ball down. I don't know if that's a Kirk Cousins thing or if that's an offensive lineman thing where they've got to find a way to keep guys from getting their hands up and deflecting passes. I don't know if Kirk Cousins needs to start utilizing a pump fake once in a while to throw some of these guys off maybe. We, he doesn't really pump fake a lot. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's definitely something to look at. Does he, does he, does he actually, I'm going to ask a dumb statistical question. Do we know, like, does anyone track pump fakes? Does he, (laughs) does he average fewer pump fakes than most quarterbacks? Or is it just like a collar on that? Right. Look at the film. We'll have to put him on that. Does pro football focus track such things? I'm sure they do. The quality of pump fakes too. (laughs) 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 On the, on the conservative play calling in the fourth, I I don't know. I, I guess I've, I have kind of mixed feelings on that. It didn't really bother me today because, I mean, they ran the football really well today. And I think if you're running, I mean, we were talking before the game that, you know, if, if you typically if you have a lead or a big lead in the fourth quarter, that's when it really helps to have a strong running game because yeah. you can eat the clock and take, you know, pick up first downs and take some time off the clock. So I, I don't know. I didn't really I didn't really mind it today. I mean, hell, if you think about it, what were we saying at the end of the 49ers game that they weren't running the football enough and yeah. they weren't, you know, they, 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 they gave the 49ers enough chances to, to stay in the game because they were still trying to make too many plays in the passing game and, and weren't really running it and didn't really do really well with clock, clock management or anything like that. So I, I don't know. I, I wasn't really bothered by it. I think with the way the defense was playing today, I think the concern of, Josh Rosen leading a comeback. I don't think I don't think there was a huge concern about that just because I thought the defense played really really well today. Yeah, I think it, it was it was mildly annoying when the Vikings would get great field position on three and out or just have an underwhelming drive at midfield and to not even get into field goal range, go 15 yards into field goal range. And they didn't even convert a first down in the uh, a third down in the first half, I don't think. I think both teams were combined like went, 0 for 10 in the first half. I thought they went did they go did they go three and out after Anthony Harris's pick? Yeah. Yeah. From the 50-yard line, basically. Yeah, and you and I were both kind of saying, eh, maybe take a shot here, take a shot deep yeah. here, see what happens. But, but the good news is, if you it, 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 was, it was a B-minus game for the Vikings at home. Mm-hmm. And even in a B-minus game, they're able to win by double digits, score 27 points. The game was never really in doubt. I know in the second when 
when Arizona scored the defensive touchdown, it felt like, oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be a Buffalo situation? But the Vikings quickly put that out in the third quarter. And so maybe the game was a little bit in question going into halftime. But it, it, but once the second half started, I never felt at all like, oh, man, Josh Rosen's going to come back and throw for 200 right. yards in the second half and carve these guys up. Yeah, and I think the only way, the only time when you really worry about something like that happening is if, you know, Kirk Cousins throws a, a a pick that sets the Cardinals up in in really good field position where they can easily score a touchdown a couple of plays later or something like that. But that yeah. never really happened. That even even in situations where the Vikings didn't um, didn't convert on on you know third down or they end up having you know to punt, they they didn't turn the ball over. They had the one interception by Cousins, which was a really really bad decision by him. <laughs> it was a bad throw in the first half, but. You know they they when they didn't pick up first downs they punted away, and uh, you know and they left the Cardinals on on long fields. So it it ended up being a situation where they didn't really need to uh, need to score a ton of points to win this game because the defense at the end of the day the defense only gave up ten points today. Yeah, so. yeah, we're live on Vikings Ventline right now on uh, the stream, the radio, and also on Periscope slash Twitter. We appreciate. Those of you who are commenting in the comment section, I know some people here in the last 10 minutes have asked, even if Dalvin Cook's healthy, do you think Latavius Murray should just be the starting running back? Um, I think I think it's fair to say Latavius Murray had a great game today. 24 carries, 155 yards, helped the Vikings to almost 200 yards rushing. I think it's fair to say Latavius Murray is a really good starting caliber option to have, but Dalvin Cook at his best is better. Delvin Cook, yeah. when healthy and at his best, is a better running back than Latavius Murray. So I'm not going to go crazy saying that he should take over the starting job, and even if Dalvin Cook's healthy, he's a bust. We haven't really seen healthy Dalvin Cook yet this season. So. No, we haven't. We haven't seen Dalvin Cook healthy since before in the, the ACL injury last year. So, yeah. yeah, I think when he's healthy, he's fine. It's just the the problem is, and it it can be a little bit of a concern. I totally get the concern about the health, but... You know, the problem is he's just not healthy. That's that's the only issue with Dalvin Cook right now. But if he's healthy and out there, he's he's as good as any running back in the NFL. Yeah, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Vikings Ventline, powered by Lucky's 13. Is it Stoneman in Ohio? Yes, sir. What's going on, man? Hey, greetings, guys. Big fan of the show. Um, welcome, Madison, Ohio. Home, of course, of Rick Spielman and the legendary coach Paul Brown. Wow, wow! Football blood running through the veins. Oh, love it! So great. I get I coach at Madison, man. It's so special. A um, couple things about the Vikings. I've been a diehard Vikings fan my whole life. Four really positives. How good is Adam Thielen? Yeah, unbelievable where he came from. Uh, second, it was so good to see Latavius Murray get that running game churning today. Um, on a different note, you guys haven't talked about. It. I thought the rookie tackle Brian O'Neill, as an old O lineman in college and high school, um, I thought he played really well. And um, it's nice to see. I think Zimmer's kind of got the mojo going back on the defense. And really, what I'm calling, I, I like to see you guys' thoughts on this. If you're Rick Spielman now in the Vikings, why not call the Arizona Cardinals and say, "Hey, what can we get for Larry Fitzgerald? Can we get a fourth round, fifth round draft pick?" Third receiver, his probably going to be his last year. You know, maybe he leads us to the next level. What we need with our offense, 
really kind of hear what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I wonder what the what the number negotiation would look like between Laquan Treadwell, who has number 11, and Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a pretty quick conversation, right? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> really quick. Uh, man, Stone Man, thank you for calling Vikings Ventline. All right, what do you if, if the Cardinals are out of it, right? The Cardinals are 1 and 5. Larry Fitz is Now Larry Fitz did say he wants to finish his career as an Arizona Cardinal. Yeah. But if he could be talked off that stance, don't you think the Vikings would be the team that could talk him off that stance? I would trade for him at this point unless he actually comes out and says get me the hell out of Arizona, which I don't he's think probably he's probably not the type of dude yeah, that Yeah, he's not that. the type of guy that would do that, but yeah, I mean it it, it would if in in theory, yeah, it would be a, a great situation for him because it's it's a good football team with aspirations of winning a championship. It's his hometown, obviously, we all know that. And, you know, he would be, you know, he would be the third wide receiver behind two guys that are in their primes and two of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So there would not be a lot of pressure on him to be uh to be productive. There would be opportunities for him to 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 uh to flourish in this offense, but you know, I think it's more of a pipe dream type of thing to be perfectly. Dude, honest. I would I would call them. I would call them because be again, cool. their season's over. I would I would float a fifth round pick and just see. Now Laquan Treadwell, since the disaster in Green Bay, has been somewhat more reliable. Yeah, he he caught four passes for thirty eight yards today. Uh, didn't drop anything today. But man, if you now, you could make the argument, too, if you're going to give up a fourth or a fifth round pick for something before the trade deadline, wide receiver would be pretty far down the list of things. <laughs> Probably, to, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you had one bullet to fire at the trade deadline, it's going to be for an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. It's going to be for something other than a wide receiver. Maybe a defensive lineman, considering a couple of guys got kind of banged up today and a couple of guys were out. Yeah, know. Weatherly went down at one point. Linval, I mean, I think... Linval came back. Came back, but... Yeah, he got hyperextended thing there. Mike Hughes had some sort of hyperextension. Mm-hmm. So actually, the injury report coming out of this game as we get to Wednesday is going to be interesting. Six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. Vikings vet line goes to Texas where Jeff is right now. What's up, Jeff? Hey guys, how you doing? Good, good. What'd you see today? Well, what I saw was myself getting agitated at the end when the Cardinals were going to go down and score and ruin my cover bet on the Vikings because I took all three NFC North teams to cover. I'd be happy if the Bears did, but I'm at the golf course now, so I don't know what the score is. Well, the, the Bears are tied with the Dolphins at 28 in overtime right now, and I think that because when Bra- it depends on when you locked it in because I think that spread moved to minus five Bears when Brock Osweiler was I, announced as the starter. Yeah, I think I got it at minus three. So either way, you're you're hoping for a Bears touchdown in yeah. overtime. Yes. Uh, no, I want the Bears to lose. I'll happily take that loss. Oh, I got you. Okay. All right. So, but here's what I saw today that is more of a fundamental thing about this team. Um, both on both Stevens touchdown and Cousins touchdown, the dude down there leading the celebration and happy for his guys is Diggs. We had a very quiet day, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not a big day, but he didn't care, man. He was down there all smiles and cheering those kids. And, I mean, you know, nine out of ten diva wide receivers, you don't see him on the sideline getting in Cousins' face to throw me the ball or I'm open, you know, none of that crap. I just think that's – and the defensive guys, too. I just think it's a real strong, strong-knit 
unit that we got there. Yeah, there's not. Thank you, Jeff. The Texas winds are blowing in uh, <laughs> Jeff's backyard there. Jeff's not like you need to catch his breath a little <laughs> bit there, too. <laughs> he just ran up a flight of steps yeah. to go check his bets. But, um, yeah, I don't, I've never gotten the sense that, that Stefan Diggs is anything other than a super hardworking, talented guy who is out to prove he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I've never, I've never gotten the sense that he's super high maintenance. You never see him in the same for Adam Thielen. You never see those guys chewing out the quarterback or spazzing on the sidelines like Odell Beckham Jr. does. Yeah. Um, you just don't, you don't see a lot of that. And I'm trying to think of anyone on the team that has those tendencies, and I can't. Yeah, you, you know, sometimes you'll see if if a quarterback and a receiver are not on the same page, you'll see like a Des Bryant or an Odell Beckham Jr. or, you know, Terrell Owens back in the day where they're chirping at their quarterback and, you know, get me the ball and, I'm you know, I'm over here and you got to find me type of thing. You know, whenever, if it was, whether it was Kirk Cousins or Teddy Bridgewater or Case Keenum last year, or Sam Bradford a couple of years ago, you never really saw either of these guys, Thielen or Diggs, chirping at their quarterback saying, hey, you you know, you got to throw a better pass, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. It just, it was, it, it was always just good and harmonious. I mean, it, it, it it's always worked out with those two guys. And to your point, I mean, I don't think there really is a whole lot of diva in, in either one of these guys. And it's, it's good to see. I think they're, they're, they're in the business of winning, and you know, Stefan Diggs did not have a big day number wise mm-hmm. today. Three catches, thirty three yards, and that's okay. I think he's okay with that because Thielen had a big day and they won the game, and and that's I think that's important. Let's come back here. Let's let's squeeze in a quick break, Manny Hill, and let's let's discuss this, and we'll throw this out to the callers and for those of you watching and streaming live on Periscope slash Twitter. There was a lot of angst about the Vikings going into the Philadelphia game that if they if they drop that Philadelphia game. Man, it was going to be tough to dig out of that one three and one hole. Now that they have won at Philadelphia and took care of business at home against the Cardinals, how do you feel about their chances to mow through the NFC at the end of the season? Right now, how do you feel about the Vikings' chances to buzz through and and get through the NFC based on what you've seen so far? Six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. But first, Manny, I have a quiz for you. Okay, I have okay. A, I have a multi question quiz for you. Mm-hmm. Where is the best place to watch football games on Sundays? I would say it's in all likelihood. In fact, I'm going to definitely say that it's Lucky's 13 Pub. Okay, all right. What about this one? Which place to watch football games on Sundays has the best appetizers, burgers, and handcrafted sandwiches? Lucky's 13's Pub. Wow, that's a, what a coincidence. Yeah. What about what about if you're looking for Bloody Marys? If you're looking for the best Bloody Marys in town, where would you think to go on a Sunday? Probably Lucky's 13th Pub. And you know what? You could probably find that Bacon Bloody. Wow. The Mother Mary. You could get a flight and try all of their Bloody Marys. I feel like the Jalapeno Bloody might leave my stomach. Uh, and I might I might even lean more toward the Mother Mary. Because like sometimes mm. the Jalapeno. But for those of you with iron stomachs, the Jalapeno Bloody is the place to uh, to go. And you know what else? If you If you need to... If you have people coming over... And you can't make it out to Lucky's 13th Pub. You know what? You can call ahead, order a bunch of appetizers, and you can go pick it up, and they'll have it ready for you right away. Yeah, Lucky's 13 has five locations, Bloomington, Burnsville, Mendota, Plymouth, and Roseville in the Twin Cities. You can find them online at luckys13pub.com. The show solely devoted to your reaction on the game. 
Vikings vent line now continues. Cousins gets time and then he's hit. And the pass, a diving effort by Thielen is complete. Adam Thielen is just special. Cousins waiting, throw it to the end zone. Or our mission to have each team in the NFC North with a tie on its record is coming so close. Where are the Dolphins right now? The Dolphins have the ball. It's there's they're like thirty the, seconds left. They're inside the forty yard line, and so, it's tied at twenty eight. There's thirty. This is the sixth week in left. a row we've had almost a tie in the first set of games. This is amazing. It's these ten minute overtimes, man. Yeah. It does that, make a difference. It yeah, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, because you're only gonna you're probably gonna have th- what three total possessions if each team's possession goes three minutes, whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you can't score on three minutes, yeah. So the the Bears ain't gonna win unless something crazy <laughs> happens. The Dolphins have the ball second and seven at the 35 yard line of Chicago. Don't you almost feel like I mean, it is Brock Osweiler as a quarterback? Don't you almost feel like Khalil Mack's going to get like a pick here and just yes. house it or like a, f- know, a strip sack fumble and pick it up and run it back? I think Brock Osweiler is legit close to 400 yards passing oh today. He's goodness. like three wow. touchdowns. Uh, yep, there's a little completion for two or three yards. So we'll see if the Bears can <laughs> thwart a game winning field goal attempt by the Dolphins here. In uh, just a moment, but Manny Hill, Phil Mackey taking your calls, Vikings vent line, and the question we'll throw out to the masses here. Also, Periscope and Twitter, thank you for streaming us live in studio here. How do you feel now about the Vikings in the NFC as opposed to maybe a couple weeks ago before that Philadelphia win? Now that they've gotten things back on track, not 100%, but they're back above 500 and uh, they're back to playing at least somewhat winning football on a regular basis. 651 646. 8255. Bob in Pennsylvania. What's going on, Bob? Our guy, Bob. All right. This is it right here. Three seconds left. We need a big field goal by this Miami kicker. His last kick, it would have went from 70. I'm confident he's going to make it. So if they don't make it, I'm definitely going to vent because this is the vent line. But I can tell you right now, I think he's going to make it. Right now, I'm drinking a beer called ancient gruit it's a beer that we got out in stowe vermont we were on vacation and it was a beer recommended by uh the the brewery there it's a beer that the vikings actually the type of beer that the vikings actually brewed themselves because they didn't have any hops or any wheat or any grains and so it's going down pretty easy boy, with that victory today had a boy bob a little nice. celebratory victory you for you, you think he's going to make this I think uh, I think the Bears are going to block it and return it for the win. I think that's I what's going to happen. Make it. Wait, <laughs> that's going to be such a classic thing. bear or a bear or the field goal is short and Nathan Vasher is out there. And how does it 109 yards? The game? Did you see the 50 yarder he made? No. Oh, he, it would have went. I swear to God, it would have went from 65 70, and it was straight down the middle. And this one's only 47 yards. <laughs> I know. Come on, Viking fans, let's root for this kick. Come on, baby. Go now, if you're, if you're Matt Nagy, don't you have Khalil Mack on the field for he this field goal? He's he got, got it. Did he make it? Bob's okay, TV is ahead of ours. Yeah. On how I feel, how did I feel about the Vikings going into that Eagles game? I was confident. I was at the game. We battled. We won. We held on to the victory. And we are back, baby, in this division for the division crown. We are back. Now, here's my question. Does this put the Vikings in first place at 3-2-1? 
Uh, and ahead of the Bears at three and two. I think it does because once you get that's a great question. Yeah. Because you so you're both three you get and like two, a but half you get a win for the tie, right? Kind or, of. Or would you just be tied? How does that work? Bob, yeah. thank you for the call there, by the way. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. So the, so you're both three and two, but you have an extra tie yeah. on your Cause, schedule. Because the, the, the tie so is weird. like the tie is like a half a win, but it's also like a half a loss. Like it, so does it just kind of, e- does it just even out? I don't know. That's really <laughs> <laughs> I really have no idea. It's a good question. Uh is it true, Lindsey Brown from fifteen hundred ESPN, that you were front and center for DJ Diesel Shack? This I weekend? was. I saw him live in a tank top last night. Wow. Where was he? He was he was on stage. He was at this big festival stage and he was he was spinning some sick drops, guys. But like in not in Minnesota. No, it no. He was. We were in some industrial park in northeast Minneapolis. Zombie pub crawl, right? Oh yeah, it was what? <laughs> What's up, guys? What's going on with What's you? On, what did you see today? Uh well, can, why does no one talk about how good Daniel Hunter is? That's my bit. Is that how many games do you guys remember last year when Everson had that sack streak? How many games did that last? It went through the Cleveland game, right? Seven games, like it was, I think. Yeah, I thought it was like eight. Yeah, somewhere in there. It was like a two-month run. Yeah. Yes. Right, right. And we're not quite there yet with Daniil, but he's basically – I feel like we, he doesn't get nearly as much attention that he deserves or say as much that Everson Griffin would get or has gotten in the past. He is Daniil Hunter is a machine, and uh, thank you. Be Liter- safe and hydrate, Literally and figuratively, hydrate. he's a machine. Yeah. Hydrate. Bye, guys. Have a good one. Right. See you, LB. Uh, he is, I mean, I, I, I can't think of many more players in the NFL. I mean, Khalil Mack would be one of them, that I would fear for my life more as a quarterback <laughs> if, if I saw him you. charging around an <laughs> offensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, there's not an ounce of fat on his body. He runs faster than most offensive position players. Yeah. And he doesn't usually come up empty when he gets to the quarterback. He's able to grab what he needs to grab, jersey wise or whatever. And yeah I've, yeah, I've said for like the last three years that Daniil Hunter has like negative body or negative five percent body fat. Yeah, <laughs> like he's 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 a machine, man. And I mean, they this is what they need. I mean, with with Everson Griffin being out, and obviously we're all pulling for Everson to 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 get back. And everything, and I, I think as long as Daniil Hunter continues to be this productive, I think you can probably, you know, hold off on having to feeling like you have to rush Everson Griffin back. You can really let Everson really get get things get things right in in uh, with what's going on with him. And uh, you know, Hunter's picking up the slack. He's he's taken over as that sort of top pass rusher for this team. Mm-hmm. Stephen Weatherly's doing a, a really nice job. The interior guys are doing a lot better too over the last couple of weeks, and this is what you know. This is what they need. I mean, the defense struggled in Los Angeles. They struggled against Buffalo. This has been uh, these last two weeks, I think, against the Eagles and the Cardinals today have been some uh, some nice bounce back bounce back games for this defense. Yeah, I, I would say just to answer the question from the top of the segment too, where you know, how do you feel about the Vikings as it relates to the rest of the NFC and the rest of the landscape? I I put them number one in the division. I I know the Bears. At three and two, technically they are percentage points better than the Vikings because the Vikings, 
Uh, according to ESPN.com standings, the the tie does put you below a three and two team, so you Got don't it. get you don't get extra credit. It just you're slightly below. Sure. I, so I know the Bears are number one in terms of the division standings, but uh, I, the Vikings are a more complete team. The Vikings have a far better quarterback. Now the Packers have the best quarterback maybe in the NFL, but the rest of that team is so hit or miss. So I I would say the only team in the NFC. I feel strongly is better than the Vikings are the Rams. Mm-hmm. And even then, the Vikings went into their stadium and went toe-to-toe with them for three-plus hours and almost pulled out a win late in the fourth quarter. The Saints are right in that mix, too. The Saints have looked fantastic. They've we're, won four we're gonna straight find games. Out. I think we're going to find out about the Saints in a couple of weeks when they come in here yeah. for a rematch of that divisional game from last year. That's I think that that is that is one that... I mean, obviously, if you're the Vikings, you don't want to look ahead. Now your focus is on the New York Jets next week. But the Saints coming in here in a few weeks, um, that's that's going to be a big one. I mean, you take care of business against the Jets, get yourself in good position in this division, and, and now that matchup with the Saints will be a good measuring stick to see really where this team is at and where the Saints are at. Too. Yeah, 651-646-8255. Randy in Cottage Grove. What's Ooh. going on, Randy? Yeah. Oh, we had a good time. I'll tell you that right now. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that uh, one of the things that uh, you you somebody said earlier is that defense is uh, getting back to its old ways, as they say. Well, we we decided who can play that game, and we started uh, instituting something that we we ain't done since the playoffs last year, and we're going to bring it back regular season, and uh, it's it's touchdown shots. And it's it's victory double oh, shot, no. and wow. we're we and it's and I encourage everyone else make a make a plan to amp up the regular season like it's as good as the is the playoffs, and you gotta treat every game uh, like it's a big one. And you know, you asked how uh, uh, got how every how all the guys everybody's feeling about uh, about the Vikes, and 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 what 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 my feeling is is. Uh, you know the same thing that uh, that uh, the captain Kirk said in this in the the huddle before the game. As you've seen the video, he said, "What? Well, how did you like it after after? How did it feel last week in Philadelphia?" I'll tell you what, felt pretty damn good. Okay, and today I feel great again. And uh, so we're gonna keep tasting it. It's sweet. It's victory, and it and it and it goes down smooth. So enjoy it, and here we go again. It must have gone down especially well for him. Had a little extra Colmado, I think, in that Bloody Mary this morning, yeah. He said touchdown shots and victory double shots. Plural on the victory double shots, by the way. I don't know if the, if that's the responsible thing to do at the end of a long day of drinking, to cap it off with double shots, but leave it to Randy and Cottage Grove. Whatever floats his boat, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think vodka floats his boat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one final segment to Vikings Vent Line, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500, powered by Lucky's 13. The show solely devoted to your reaction on the game. Vikings Vent Line now continues. Cardinals rush four, they got pressure, the ball is out. And it's recovered by the Cardinals, Buda Baker, he's going in for a touchdown. Mike Boone. 
rookie out of Cincinnati is in the backfield and Gary, big hole, big speed, boom, inside the 25, wow, down to the 22, Trey Boston with a tackle, Murray, he breaks through, he fights off Antoine Bethane, goes in for a touchdown, first rushing touchdown of the season for the Minnesota Vikings. All right, final segment of Vikings Ventline. And the numbers, if you want to chime in, your last chance to say what you think about the Vikings now that they've won a couple games in a row. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Powered by Lucky's 13 Pubs. The best place to post up and watch football games all Sunday, every Sunday with an all-day happy hour. The best Bloody Marys in town. The best appetizers, burgers, you name it. There's five metro locations with Lucky's 13 Pubs. And you can find more on the interwebs, Manny Hill. Uh, just to go through some of these Vikings numbers from today. Mm-hmm. You know, probably Kirk Cousins' second worst performance of the year. If, if Buffalo was the worst, this one's probably the second worst. And it wasn't a disaster. He went 24 of 34, 233 yards. Had a handful of passes batted down. Had a really bad interception. He did throw a touchdown pass. Was sacked four times. Uh, passer rating of 87. Receiving-wise, Adam Thielen continues to put up gaudy numbers. He now has 58 catches on the season. My goodness. For, I want to say, 700 yards already. Yeah. And he had, so he had 11 for 123 today and a touchdown. And his long was only 17. I mean, it's just, but it's just 12, 15, 17, 8. So consistent. He's on pace, I think, for at least like 140 or 150 catches this year. Yes. What is like the, what is the record? I think the record is well. Marvin Harrison isn't had it, it for like a 150? hundred fifty. Hundred. Well, Marvin Harrison, I think, had a hundred and forty something, hundred and forty three or something like that. But I want to say somebody did Antonio Brown maybe break it or come close to breaking it one year? Maybe it's going to bug me if I don't look this up here. So yeah. I actually I'm pulling it up right now. All time uh, single season receiving record. Now Chris Carter and Herman Moore swapped the record back twenty years ago. I remember yeah, when it got to 120 for the first time, and okay. it is 143. In 2002. Yep, Marvin Harrison from uh, from 2002 at 143 catches. Antonio Brown and Julio Jones both caught 136 in 2015. Antonio Brown also caught 129 in 2014. So he, man, he'd have to slow way down to not flirt with and or break this record. Yeah. He's, uh, I mean, th- this is, this isn't incredible to, to just be this productive. I mean, a lot of times you see these wide receivers, these number one wide receivers, you know, they'll have a couple of games here or there where they only get, you know, two or three catches and, you know, but of course, over the course of a 16 game season, everything cut sort of evens out and they end up with, you know, 95, 100, 100, 105 catches, but this for Adam Thielen to continuously put up 9, 10, 11, 12 catches every single week and to be this consistent is is remarkable. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, just going through some of the comments here on Periscope slash Twitter. And uh, here, here's one thing that came up earlier in the show. Clock management, just for a nitpick. Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer has had issues with this. I think he's been better at clock and game management the last couple of years than he was his rookie year as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins gives me a little bit of hesitation when it comes to some of these end of quarter or end of half clock is running. Uh, like they'll, they'll take twenty seconds to figure out whether they're spiking it or whether they're 
you know, going to call a timeout to run a play. So, and it happened again before the end of the first half today where it's like, are you guys, yeah. are you really maximizing your time here? Are you taking charge the way that you should? He had a delay of game at one point too. And they mm-hmm. just said, bleep it. Let's kick a field goal where they, they, they run up and they're going to like 12 seconds left. And he just said, you know what? Let's just, yep. Let's just kick it. Let's not screw around anymore. I think they clocked it. And then they, so they had what? 40 seconds or 25, depending on what the scenario was. And then they ran into a delay of game and he unsnapped the chin strap because he knew it was his fault. Yeah. It's like when you're when you've been a starting quarterback for a handful of years in the NFL and you're one of the two or three highest paid dudes, part of that is understanding what to do when there's thirty seconds left in the second quarter or the fourth quarter. He doesn't seem to have a great feel for that. So I would nitpick that too. Yeah, and and I and I'll even take it a step further. It 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 reminds me of one of the biggest pet peeves I have with football coaches that you know, at the college level and even at the professional level. I've seen Mike Zimmer has done this. Other coaches around the NFL have done this. P.J. Flex done this. Jerry Kill's done this. Other college coaches have done this. Where they just, they burn through their timeouts early in games. And then they get, you know, they, they get to a point at the end of the half where they're trying to rush up and they're trying to get, you know, a field goal at the end or try and get a touchdown or something before the half. Yeah. And they struggle because, oh, look, they we've, we've already burned all three of our timeouts, we don't have any left. I yes. mean, you, you always seem to want to have at least one. At the end of a first half, it doesn't bug, bug me as much. In the second half, it really bothers me. But in a first half, it just seems to me like you always want to find a way to save at least one timeout for one final possession of the half to get yourself in a position to get to add points before the half. And for whatever reason, we just see coaches just burn through those timeouts because a play early in the first quarter is a little bit off or, you know, they're trying to save uh, a uh, delay of, you know, trying to prevent a delay of game penalty or something in the first quarter. It's like, come on, do you really want to burn through a timeout? I'm so glad later. You might need later in the half. Yes. I'm so glad you brought this up because I, and I can't think of any specific ones that the Vikings burned. I'd have to go, I mean, there might've been one, but in general, when you have, it's when it's the first quarter and you're facing third and nine, and the play clock's running down. I feel like NFL coaches and quarterbacks still, nine times out of ten, call a timeout in that spot. Even <laughs> even worse in the third quarter when it happens. Right. Like, oh, timeout. Okay, well, yeah, it's going to be third and 14 as opposed to third and nine. And that makes it tougher, but what's more important, those five yards in that spot or that timeout that you might need in a close game with 45 seconds left? Mm-hmm. And it at the very least, it feels like coaches and quarterbacks don't do the the cost analysis there. Okay, what right. if we use this? It's it's always knee jerk. Oh, play clock's right now and call timeout. Well, yeah, but from a game theory perspective, from a game theory perspective, you almost always want those three timeouts near the end of the game. Mm-hmm. You should almost always have those in your back pocket. How can there be coaches for every individual minor position, like the nickel corner coach or whatever, but they can't have like a game management coach? Like well, I know so, that's so, the head coach's job, but someone who can who he can consult, like hey. Time out here? No, it's the middle of the first quarter, you idiot. Don't yes, do that. Right. Well, so it is funny. Like, you have a backup special teams yeah. assistant coordinator or whatever. But <laughs> right. but, the, but I know the, the Rams and most teams have somebody who's evolving into that spot. The Rams absolutely have a game management. Yeah. I think it's called game management coordinator or something. Okay. And, and and how that dynamic works, I don't know. Because if, let's say, if I were the coach in that situation, I would want someone who literally just tells me. Yeah. Who's like standing next to me, and I and I can say, "Hey, I want to use the timeout here," and then they they just know the answer, yes or no. 
based on yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, I, I, I it just, should be more prominent. It, it just, it just, it's, it's always bothered me when, when I'll see, like, I mean, you laid out the scenario perfectly. When, when you see in the first quarter, it's third and eight, the play clock's winding down, and oh my god, timeout, 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 like. Just take the penalty and and try for it on third and thirteen, and if you don't get it, just punt it away. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just I, I think sometimes that timeout is a lot more valuable than those five yards in the first quarter. Yes, you know, and 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 I'll admit, in in the first half of games, it doesn't bother me as much. It still bugs me, but it drives me crazy in the second half of games. If you have to burn a timeout in the third quarter to save yourself five yards in a tight game. It drives me crazy when coaches burn yep. those timeouts. And it, it still happens with Andy Reid. It's not a cliche. <laughs> yes, it yes, still happens with yes, Andy Reid. And I, oh, that team is so fun to watch, and they've got such a great offense, and I just can't help but think in the second round of the playoffs against the Patriots, they're going to have zero timeouts at the end to mm-hmm. you know, go down the field. Uh, so that's a wrap on this edition of Vikings Ventline. Manny Hill, you can find us on Mackie and Judd from 3 o'clock until 6 o'clock tomorrow and every weekday. Jonathan Harrison does a great job screening the calls. And Lucky's 13, thanks to uh, to their help keeping Vikings Ventline on the air. If you ever miss any portion of Vikings Ventline, find it every week on the Purple Podcast feed on 1500ESPN.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you would generally find your podcasts. In about an hour here on 1500ESPN, playoff baseball American League Championship Series, game number two between the Astros and the Red Sox. Murray, he breaks through. He fights off Antoine Bethane, goes in for a touchdown. First rushing touchdown of the season for the Minnesota Vikings. Adam Thielen is just special. Cousins waiting, throwing to the end zone. Fight, 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 go Vikings, run out.